This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, March 2nd, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. The fences are still up at the Capitol. Now, congressional Democrats are working to put fences up between constituents and their elected representation and fetter speech online more generally. Will Duffield is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. He discusses the unworkability of the current proposal. H.R. 1 is the uh, Democrats' package of election reforms that they they would like to see. Uh, One of the major elements of of that uh, legislation that they've offered is what's known as the Honest Ads Act, which we've seen elements of in previous uh, pieces of legislation. But what is basically in it? So the Honest Ads Act was originally introduced in 2017 as a standalone bill intended to expand elements of the 1971 Federal Election Campaign Act and apply them to the internet. It was motivated to a large extent by concerns about Russian meddling or ad purchases in the 2016 election. And it has two main functioning parts that that work together um, to really deliver a far bigger, um, more expansive change than it might look like at, at first glance. So the Federal Election Campaign Act of 1971 has long required broadcast electioneering communications defined as paid speech advocating for or against the election of a candidate to be accompanied by a disclaimer identifying the organization behind the ad. As well, most ad purchasers are required to file disclosures reporting their expenditures. The Honest Ads Act changes this paradigm in two ways. Firstly, it alters this definition of an electioneering communication from paid speech relating to a particular candidate to paid speech concerning a national legislative issue of public importance which captures everything we would normally think of as issue ads, but not electioneering communications, concerns about particular bills, concerns about social issues that aren't given um, up for any kind of political change. So it's a much, much broader and much blurrier standard. It's easier to draw a boundary around or determine whether someone's speaking about a candidate. It's much harder to decide what is or is not a national legislative issue of public importance. Yeah, I can remember years ago, then private citizen Al Franken uh, talking about what he called sham issue ads. And these were uh, ads meant to be, I don't know, divisive, meant to lower confidence in a particular incumbent lawmaker. Uh, and then it would say, call Senator so-and-so. And tell him what you think about XYZ. And the idea was that this ad escaped a lot of regulation because it didn't was not clearly uh, any kind of advocacy for the election or defeat of a candidate. What uh, Democrats appear to be proposing here is, uh, as you say, much broader and uh, encompasses people just speaking on the Internet about issues they care about or spending money to do so, I suppose. Indeed. And and the second part of this, this bill, which then applies this broader definition or broader standard to the internet, creates a, a host of issues that 
aren't then just uh, problems for those running traditional election ads, but a much broader class of people hoping to speak to the public either about elections or, or other issues. I'm imagining uh, myself as perhaps like a YouTube influencer. I'm definitely not a YouTube influencer, but uh, I'm imagining a YouTube influencer who has endorsement deals, who uh, speaks on issues of the day. And uh, I can imagine a dastardly evil group that has an interest uh, in the outcome of legislating on an issue of public interest simply paying a YouTube influencer to say, hey, why don't you talk about this issue? Here are all of our talking points. We would love it if you would uh, 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 go on the record in this way. And that would seem to allow people to uh, circumvent this regulation, but maybe that's not how uh, this legislation is envisioned. Well, I, I think that would. Um, and there are other, perhaps even easier ways to, to circumvent it. Um, at the end of the day, uh, especially the prohibitions on foreign advertising are going to fall hardest and only on good actors, people who want to follow the rules. Um, if you're a foreign NGO, you rely on private donations from Americans to help a constituency abroad. Well, you're, you're going to be prohibited from advertising outright unless you lie about where you're from. However, if you're some agent of the Russian government seeking to, to do ill or meddle in the American election. Well, there are plenty of American credit card details on the dark web or hacker forums, stolen driver's licenses or other easy ways to, to verify an identity or get an American address um, that could be used to circumvent these requirements, especially when you look to smaller platforms. They're going to struggle um, to really effectively implement these sorts of policing measures, these disclosure requirements. But the bill shunts all of this onto them. So uh, I know campaign finance attorneys, and uh, they are often approached by small groups of local guys who want to spend money to advocate a position. And uh, given all of the potential penalties that already exist in the campaign finance space for doing that and, uh, and the sort of trap doors that are set around this area, their advice to these guys is usually, don't do it. You'll have to hire an expensive lawyer like me in order to help you uh, navigate this uh, Byzantine system in order to advocate on issues that you care about. Presumably, this legislation would make that problem uh, even more dicey. Well, certainly more on the the platform side than for the individual, but it's likely that in the face of these new record keeping requirements, the demand that platforms, anything with more than 50 million users, come up with a publicly available database of all of the political ads that have been purchased on the platform, that many of them simply would bar those sorts of ads um, rather than come up with this infrastructure. It's going to be expensive. Political ads don't come around all that often. They aren't a large part of uh, the revenue for most of these firms. So why why bother? Um, but unfortunately, that's that's going to hurt um, challengers to to incumbents the most um, because they're the ones who 
are advantaged by this cheaper, more targeted advertising ecosystem that you have seen online. In, in many cases, when we see some new bill, some new proposal, we don't have a good sense of how it will work in the real world. We may have our suspicions, our concerns, but it hasn't been tested yet. However, with this Honest Ads Act, since it was introduced in 2017, Facebook has privately attempted to implement its own version of the bill, requiring users running issue ads to verify their identity, prohibiting foreign political advertisements, and adding their own disclaimers and disclosures. This has been very expensive for them. It's also had a lot of pitfalls. They've come up with 10 issue buckets, um, essentially trying to replicate that national legislative issue of public importance language. Things like security and foreign policy or environmental politics. And while these have been over-inclusive and ill-defined and caught out a lot of foreign NGOs, users can advertise elsewhere. But it'll be another thing when the FEC creates a similar system with all of the same problems that we see displayed in Facebook's implementation and requires it of platforms with far fewer resources. Since the Citizens United decision, the world has been opened up a a little bit uh, in terms of campaign spending. And by campaign spending, I mean spending in elections, not uh, spending by campaigns. Uh, Private corporations may now explicitly use corporate treasury funds in order to uh, advocate for certain issues. I can remember Dr. Bronner's soap uh, making use of uh, the Citizens United decision in, in some of their advocacy. And uh, you have an example that relates to Penzi's Spices, which you just brought this up before we started recording. And uh, I can tell you I have at least, I don't know, 10 or 15 jars of their uh, various spices in my uh, cupboard right now. Well, then I, I guess, as you must know, they've long made opposition to Trump part of their brand. I actually didn't know that, but but go ahead. Well, uh, <laughs> welcome to the resistance. They've placed ads for their czar dust spice with test inclusive of testimony from the Mueller hearings, along with a recipe for a not a nothing burger. And as Facebook has implemented its own reporting requirements and identity verification requirements for political advertisers, this caught Penzi Spices. And they, because of their decision to include this Mueller hearing content and complaints about Trump in their their spice brand, suddenly had to jump through all of these extra hoops and report all of their spice advertisements um, in, in a way that they hadn't before. And it really speaks to the difficulty of drawing these lines between political and commercial speech. Will Duffield is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.